Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 14, our 2024 World Junior Championship coverage, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library, players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. As we record this, we are just getting ready for the semifinal game, so we're just going to do a little update on what transpired and what our thought and what my thoughts were prior, primarily uh, leading up to the semifinals and what transpired through the, you know, the preliminary rounds into the quarterfinals, some interesting situations, obviously number one on the list and in the concern of, you know, many of the listeners that are Canadian is the fact that, you know, team Canada didn't get into the semifinals is not going to be in metal contention. And if you look at it from a holistic standpoint, you know, Hockey Canada, and you know, for the last 15 years, from 2010 to 2024, you know, had medaled 10 times, five gold, four silver, one bronze. So by all accounts, those are, you know, those are excellent numbers. And, you know, in second place, what there was was USA and Russia, not including this year. So USA could get, has a potential to get that 10th medal. Russia's missed the last three tournaments. So I certainly would suspect they would have been over 10 medals as well and been, you know, in the same grouping as, as USA and, and Canada from that respect and right behind them with team Sweden, they have seven and, you know, Finland has five and Slovakia has the one in that 15 year period. And I know there's a lot of angst in Canada in, in that respect about, you know, every time there's a high expectations for, you know, the Canadian team to medal. And I think, you know, there's also the realization that we're not always going to, you know, we as a country and I'm a Canadian and I have to sort of separate myself from that perspective is not always going to meddle because, you know, if the Russians were here, it's, it's, the competition would be much tighter. And, you know, USA has continued to improve in their development of their programs and getting better every year and more competitive. And, <clears throat> you know, they're up there every year and should meddle. Sweden the same, which is remarkable, you know, considering, you know, they haven't had the success in terms of gold, you know, three silvers and three uh, bronze and one gold in that time frame. But, you know, in comparison to we look at the population bases of both Canada, United States, and then if you want to include Russia, and we have massive population bases to draw from comparative to those countries, Canada has 40 million people, 40 million. And Chechia has 10.5 10.5 million Sweden has 10.5 million and Chechia is going to begin to really start meddling pretty soon you know I think they've done a remarkable job along with Slovakia of turning their entire hockey organizations around from a national level I give both those countries a tremendous amount of kudos and respect for what they've done particularly over the last you know five to seven years and that cycle will continue and they're going to continue to get better and get back into that and force the tournament to be really top seven heavy in terms of potential metal metal, maybe not always potentially gold, but potential to metal and uh, makes it really highly competitive. And then you look, you know, I just mentioned Slovakia, Slovakia and Finland in terms of population base, Slovakia is 5.7, 5.8 million people. Finland is, you know, 
somewhere between five and a half to six million people, very small population bases, yet they're highly competitive as well. So I think for, you know, my Canadian listeners, it's an opportunity to, and I think Hockey Canada, it's an opportunity for them, even though we've meddled many times, particularly over the last five years, and we had a five-year run in that 15-year period where we didn't get a gold, uh, we were, you know, the team was shut out. I think it's an opportunity to look at what Canada is doing behind the scenes in terms of the structure, organizational structure of Hockey Canada, um, how we structure our coaching, how we structure our evaluation processes, our player development, our operations staff in terms of, you know, who is there for trainers, mental coaches, all the, the personnel that you require. And I think there's an interesting conversation to have. Uh, perhaps this is an opportunity with the changes at Hockey Canada to change the hockey operations department and have a dedicated staff, a dedicated coaching staff that coaches the under 17s for men, under 18s for men, under 20s for men, and then the national team for the world championships, same coaching staff, and then have the same hockey operations staff, same trainers, same, you know, physical therapists have the same player development staff, same scouting staff, with no influence from any other leagues or any other teams and you you get to work within your group and in that isolation doesn't mean you don't talk to other people and get their thoughts but the decision making i think should be without influence from other parties and i think that would be you know an, an interesting road for hockey canada consideration for them to go down because i think sometimes canada rests on its laurels and the ends will justify the means and sometimes the means if we look at the other countries, you know, I'm going to have to separate Russia and the United States from, because I think they're comparables to Canada in every way and can beat Canada in, you know, any competition in hockey, uh, particularly at the junior, you know, the junior hockey level, but Swedes and the fans, Slovaks, Czechs are the much smaller population bases who have done, very good things. And if the Slovaks and the Czechs continue to develop, I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to have to look, Canada's got to look in the mirror and go, okay, what are we doing here? Because based on the talent level we have in that country, in terms of number of players, the number of elite talent, you know, we should like logically on paper, Canada should medal every year. There shouldn't be a year where Canada doesn't medal and they, you know, should be in the top three, top two every year along with the states and Russia in that respect, based on what the resources they have. So I know it's disappointing, obviously, for, you know, the players and the players play, and it's not a reflection on them because the team turns over pretty much almost every year, every second year. Uh, There's nobody left over because of the age grouping. So I really, you know, I think the focus really has to look at how the structure of the organization is. And coaches turn over constantly. I know coaches want opportunities, but I think you have to look at what's best for Hockey Canada, for the players, for the institution itself. And I know it has relationships with other leagues and, you know, and other individuals and other institutions. But once again, I think there's an opportunity here with the changeover in Hockey Canada to really take a look at what's what's happened. And, you know, it's I guess it's easier to always look at it when there's, a loss and when when things don't go right but i think it's just it's just important to look at it when things do go right i look at last year 
Team Canada squeaked through the quarterfinals in an overtime win against Slovakia. That puck could have easily bounced the other way. No different than what happened with, against Chechia this year. And Canada, you know, could have been knocked out. And they had to go and win you know, gold medal in overtime again against Chechia. So it's, you know, don't want to say it's a win by the skin of your teeth. You know, a win's a win. But you really have to look at how you got to that place. Like the, like the end result isn't always the best indicator that you've done the things the best way or you could, you could improve. And I'm really intrigued to see what Hockey Canada does in terms of looking at how they're structured, what they're going to do next in terms of how they identify players, how they develop players from their system from top to bottom. And there may need to be a little bit of revamping through the minor hockey system all the way through the program of excellence. And it's okay to have that. It's actually really vital. And I think it's actually important to have those things transpire. You can't always, you know, continue on the same path. Uh, there are times when, you know, history has proven that these are best practices and we should continue with those, but there's always the opportunity to improve upon or to find other methods and methodologies that, work exceptionally well in other areas, other industries, or with other countries. So, you know, sometimes we have to look outside your own bubble. And that goes for not just for Canada. I'm talking Canada specifically because they didn't medal or even get through the semifinals. But, you know, I know other countries and spoken with other or, um, national programs where, you know, they've done the same thing. They've looked to Canada, they've looked to the States, they've looked to other countries in Europe and, you know, try to emulate and see what they do very well and how does how can we integrate that into our systems and to our training programs. So I'm really interested to see what happens not only in this, in the semifinals, but what can hockey Canada does moving forward. Cause this doesn't happen very often in Canada where there's an opportunity to overhaul you know, the entire system or take a really take a long look about what they're done. Uh, but we're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play Every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. 
outside edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on and off ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on our 2024 World Junior Championship preview show powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Joined by Jason Bukola. Let's now talk about Slovakia. And for me, you look at this forward group, they have nine forwards that have been drafted by NHL teams. It That's the larger contingent they've had in probably 20 years. I'd have to go back and take a look, but it have to be at least 20 years. And I look at this forward group, and that's three solid lines that their, co- their coach could roll over, and they can insulate that fourth line, and that fourth line doesn't have to play very much because I think for the most part, that forward group could play, you know, 20 minutes each. <laughs> I mean, 18 probably in that fourth line will play six or seven minutes. And that's really what it's going to be like. And I think this four group is dangerous. They got a nice, really nice mix guys. I start with you, Brad, in terms of, you look at Cernick and Dvorsky and Hanzig and one of our, uh, you know, the guys we really like and Adam Sakura. You know, what are your thoughts on this overall, like nine, this, that top nine, that's really going to be dangerous for this team. Yeah, absolutely. You throw in Karchik in that mix. It, you know, one thing about them is they have size, but they also have some speed, skill, finesse. And then there's that grit factor as well. Like Dvorsky is a high energy player, very physical if he has to be. Uh, w- one thing with him that you, you notice when anytime he's on the international ice, he wants to be the guy. He's always trying to drive play. He's always trying to be a difference maker. He's going to try to make noise here. Uh, Samuel Hanzik for me is the wild card. He's just coming back from a major injury. He's just getting just getting his legs back underneath him. This is going to be an extremely important tournament uh, for him uh, in terms of being able to see where he is as a player right now uh, after after his offseason. So I think based off of what they have, they have a chance to be, as you mentioned in a previous episode, they could be one of those dark horse teams that could upset someone as a result of having the depth that they have at this position or position. This is the deepest Slovakian forward squad that we've seen in ages, and they have a, a very interesting mix of players. Yeah, they've got a, uh, you know, on top of the guys that people are mostly familiar with, you mentioned Hanzek, and obviously a Mesar who's, you know, been bouncing around a little bit in the Habs uh, uh, organization. He's, he's back in, in the Ontario Hockey League now, but uh, this, is a, this is a really interesting group. The thing I like about them, guys, is that there's a good mix of skill and will here. You know, they... They have a relentless group as well as uh, as being a you know a, a bunch that can come at you offensively, um, and you know some of the new guys that they're introducing to the roster, you know like the the Dej kid, uh, um, you know on top of obviously you said Dvorsky who and he really big kid, yeah Dej is a big kid and and you know they 
Slovakian hockey is on the rise. They've done a really good job uh, with their infrastructure. They're starting to see uh, the reap the rewards of some of these kids coming through and they play the right way. So um, I don't know. I, I, they're a scary team because they've also got goaltending that could steal a game. And, uh, you know, when you combine their will and their skill, um, you know, Chernek, Dej, Dvorsky, Hanzek, Mesar, you start going down. To your point, Shane, geez, that's a deep team. More like we can rhyme off or rhyme off eight or nine names there, and that's uh, that's been an anomaly in the past, hasn't it? hundred percent. And this is what one of the things I like about them is the style of play that they have internationally. They they're very similar to Quinnipiac University, where they're very highly aggressive off the puck, so they're going to force you to make a great play. And if you get, if they beat, if you get, they get beaten by a great play, they're like, so be it. But we're going to force you to do that. So they're going to be relentless in puck pursuit all the time. And they have, you know, collectively, I've always seen, especially in the last three, four years, I found their, their puck support excellent amongst their forwards and their D. So they're, they're there to help their teammates. And that just make, makes up for some levels of lack of, you know, high-end skill. High-end skill can sometimes over overset that. And that's why I think they're going to be a really dangerous team in their style of play. But now they have the depth of skill set, especially at the forward group, than they've ever had before. And it's one of the, you know, we look at, like um, Brad had mentioned, Plakarczyk and you have uh, Perikoski. You know, I think that's going to add a nice little mix to it as well. So, like, you get into that third line and things don't drop off. Um, that Zelenka kid that was drafted by Arizona, I think he's going to bring an, uh, something to that third line as well. And that, that's what, and they and they have great buy-in for this. Like they remind me actually similar to the way they're playing, like the Finns traditionally play. Like they're just going to be a total pain in the ass to play against. And that's what to me is really fascinating about this group. And it's why I said that I think they're going to be that dark horse potential upset. They could upset somebody, and all of a sudden they're in a, they're in a metal game. And you're like, wait a minute, what just happened here? Um, now let's try to interesting on it's gonna I'll just end it with this. It will be interesting with the top third lineup being the way it is, like with Pekarchek, if he ends up in the three, like he's got skill, fellas. Like yeah. he's you know, this guy can put up points and score, so he might get some uh softer matchups, and that might be key in the middle of the lineup. They get some big bodies, like yeah. six four, six one, six four, six one, six two, six two, right? Six one. Like they got some big bodies that I think some of the smaller teams are going to have some problems with in terms of when you get into puck battles and games late. Uh, This is where I think this team is really going to be really push it. My concern for this, this team is on defense. Now they have Martin Sturback as the only drafted player. That doesn't mean they can't be successful. But I think very similar in some respects, as Brad had said about the U S team, the Slovak got to play a very simple meat and potatoes, just get the puck to their forward group and just play non-mistake hockey. And then when it's in their zone, they got a battle. I mean, for like, just like dogs, because you know, if they get hemmed in there um, after a while, this is where I think things are going to be problematic for them, but they got some big bodies too. Six, three, six, two, six, three, six, two. Six one. They got some big bodies back there, but Sturback's gonna like. I think he's gonna have to carry the mail for this defense core. Well, to your point, the the big thing is they're missing Simon Namich. That's yeah. a huge. That's that's a massive loss. If he was at this event, he's playing 
a ton of minutes, and then you got your number one, you got your quarterback, you got your all situation. So that's that's what they're really missing. Now, Maxine Sturback really put himself on the map last year at this tournament. He was fantastic. He's going to have to recreate that performance from last season. It's as simple as that. He has to be as good as he was last year, this year, if they have a chance. Um, because, they, as you said, they're, they're definitely a bit weaker on the back end uh, when you compare their goalies and forward crop. Uh, the, the thing, though, I'll, I'll mention, I, I, I'm, I, I'm privileged enough to watch a lot of international hockey. I love international hockey. Uh, Slovakia, one thing I really like about their system, they bring these kids up together from a very young age sometimes. A lot of these kids know each other's games inside out. That's a distinct advantage they have over even some of the top teams sometimes. Uh, you look at Canada's back end, they haven't played nearly as long as the Slovaks have together. So there's going to be an inherent chemistry to their back end that some of these other international teams are lacking. That might give them a little bit of an advantage, even though they're not names that most people know. Right. Let's talk about the goaltender and Adam Gage. And I know Brad and I talked about him relentlessly going into the 2023 draft. Thoughts on him? Jason, in terms of his ability to steal games, I think he's just so athletic and he's tenacious where if things break down, he's a guy that's going to help that defense score feel good about themselves. When you got a guy back there who can bail you out with some ridiculous save, it makes the defense score want to battle that much harder for him. Yeah. And be there or been there, done that too. Been there, done that too. Right. You know, last year, obviously, uh, he arrived for everybody, and uh, he's definitely got the ability. So we're you're talking about a you know a good sized kid. You know he's, he's doing well in Green Bay. He's committed to go to I think Duluth in uh, next season. But you know this is a, a big body, athletic, uh, competes like a dog to make second and third saves if required. And you know because of their defense, you know just circling back on that real quick. I think this is a defense core that's going to be grab it, window and out, and let's just keep it uh, out of our zone as much as we possibly can. And when things break down, then you're going to rely on the goaltender. And uh, he's already proven he can steal games at this level. So we'll see how it goes. And that's where I think you look you look at him similar to what Godla had done for the Slovaks yeah. and just stood on his head. And then it becomes a rallying cry for the rest of the team because – you so desperately within your forward group and your defense group as a collective unit, you want to battle so hard for a guy like that. That I think really, I think, you know, Adam Gagin could be their rallying cry for their team. And that's dangerous. When you give a team like that hope, um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to make the difference between them getting into the medal rounds. And I think they could, you know, get there. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned for the rest of our 2024 World Junior Preview right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, our 2024 World Junior Championship preview. Let's get into Team Finland, starting up front with the forward group. Jason, you know, they have, as I look, about, you know, nine drafted forwards, same as Slovakia. So I think their top nine, that top nine is going to play a ton of minutes. Not a lot of players that I would consider high-end offensive players, but a lot of like typical Finns, you know what I mean? Really good two-way forwards, and they're going to have to play a very similar game as the Czechs in terms of having to like grind out those 2-1-3-2 games and just be opportunistic and just be relentless in their puck pursuit and force the other teams just to make mistakes and be very opportunistic on, on their power play and have great penalty killing. I think that's this how this forward group is going to have to play with very, very good puck support overall. Yeah, you just uh, pretty much laid it out that they got to play a perfect game there, which is, uh, you know, that, that's fair. It's uh, They're a different group in terms of, um, you know, that high-end offense for sure. Like they've got Casper Haltonen, who, uh, you know, big shooter, right, guys? Like the back door on the flank especially. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though, how he tracks up and down the ice. He's having a really good year goal-scoring-wise in the Ontario Hockey League with London, uh, but certainly there's some room for improvement uh, in consistency, you know, between the blue lines. He, we've seen it, though. You know, we've seen it even at the Worlds last year, the under-18s. You know, he can push the play when he's motivated. Uh, he's going to have to be motivated, you know, every game because this isn't a team that, as like a yoke and camel from last year, who could really transport the puck uh, quickly for them. So, um, you know, up front, uh, I'm interested to see how Kupalainen does. Um, you know, he uh, and and definitely Constant Hellenius as well. You know, Constant Hellenius is having a heck of a year uh, in the in Liga, and he's he's kind of can take that that role of being that 
that darting forward who can attack off the rush, uh, off the rush part of me for, for the Finns, you know, he can lead the power play breakouts and uh, zone entries. If you watch him closely uh, and when our people who are listening, when you, when you watch this kid play, uh, you watch how far the back of uh, the defense back off, allowing them to kind of enter the zone with speed because they have to be cognizant of how quick he attacks and especially in a little bit bigger ice over there. So, Hemming's another shooter, but we're talking about young guys, aren't we? And it's going to be interesting to see uh, where all their goal scoring comes from. Uh, they're going to have to dig deep. Yeah, to Jason's point, they got two snipers there. Emil Hemming, this is his first year. He hasn't looked great internationally this year for me uh, so far, but he's been better in his U20 Sarja viewings and some of his league, uh, league play in Liga over in Finland. So he's played against men. Uh, which, again, I think it really matters when you have a, a kid who's going from a pretty decent professional league back to a World Junior Tournament because I think it helps with pacing. And I bring that up because Emil Hemming, that, that's one of his uh, one of his issues at times can be his pacing, but he's, he's improving off the forecheck. I think he's going to matter here. Uh, but to Jason's point, the player I think everybody should hone in on here is he's basically what Matthias Sopovilov is going to have to be for the Czechs, and that is Consolanius. Consolanius is a blue-chip prospect. He is a phenomenal two-way center, incredibly smart player. Uh, and like Sopovilov, I find that he's more of a primary playmaker, even though he has a heck of a shot. I, I think he's a dual threat, but he's still trying to figure out exactly when and where he should use his shot. But he's very comfortable as a playmaker. Uh, if Finland is to make noise at this tournament, is because Consolanius has had a, a very successful I also think those big bodies up front, they better play big. Like they're going to have to create some time and space for their smaller, smaller forwards. So, you know, look at Bahu 6'3 and um, Halton in his 6'3, uh, you know, and uh, Copeland in his 6'3, Nyman is 6'4. Like they don't have to always necessarily bang and crash and be vicious, but they're going to have to use their size to create some time and space and force defenders to draw to them for those other players to just to get a, that half second they need to make a play. Um, otherwise, there's no value in their size. So I'm really looking to see what those four forwards do in that respect. I think that's going to be a real catalyst for them as well, particularly when the games get tight. Let's talk about that defense core as well. So they have a bunch of guys that are drafted, not high end, but a, like kind of an eclectic group. You got Otto Salen and, and Artu Karku and Cali Kangas. So, Brad, talk about a little – actually, I'll go back to, to Jason first. Talk about this defense core and what do you think overall? Because they, they got some size in there too. Like They're going to be – they can be hard to play against if they use that size effectively. Yeah, they got range is what I would, yeah. what I would say to you guys. Um, I don't find it to be an overly um, powerful group on the back end. Um, how can I put this gently, guys? I it's it's kind of a vanilla group, which might not be a bad thing, but um, there isn't anything that stands out here. You know, you look at some of the other teams in the tournament. Obviously, we go back with the U.S. You know, those dynamic guys like Hudson on the back end, or even Canada's got like the Matejchuks and these types of players. Uh, th this group in Finland, um, you know, I'll put it back to you a little bit, Bradley. I don't know who quarterbacks the power play and gets results per se. Like I'm, I'm trying to pull this all together here. It, it seems like we've got a two way D as a core here more than we've got anybody that fits into like really thundering body checker defensive shutdown, even though we're rangy and we don't really have a ton of offense either. I just find like they're just steady eddies. 
Yeah, well, I find that it would be probably Aaron Kivahari, but he's injured, right? So that, that's yeah. that's one big uh, yeah. knock for them, right? Um, I'll bring up one name that I th- I'm very interested in seeing here. I actually have his A-rated prospect, and he's an overager. Uh, and that's Hesse Polkinen, six-six uh, defender. Right. He has come out of absolutely nowhere. I watched him way earlier in the season when I was trying to evaluate Emil Hemming. I was like, who's this massive defenseman? I've never seen him before. Long story short, he goes from four assists in his eligible first year of eligibility to two points per game in U20. Sorry, he has been dominant in the league in his last couple of games. He was phenomenal last week against Assad. Uh, I would not be shocked at all if this is his coming out party for a lot of people in this industry. Uh, this is a remarkably interesting unicorn on, an ice, on the ice surface. I guarantee you he goes in the top three rounds. I won't be shocked at all if if he if he does really well at this event, don't be shocked at all if you hear his name called early. There's a ton to like. He can dominate both sides of the puck. And uh, you mentioned Jason, the dark horse for running the the power play. It's this kid. This kid's pretty dynamic and very inventive and creative. There's actually he's kind of like a defensive version of Elmer Soderblom a little bit mm. to give you some idea. So it should be very interesting. I am incredibly interested to see what this kid does at this event. Yeah, curious to see um, how that sort of plays out from that standpoint. And I'm always, I'm always on the hunt for the guys that could have that breakout in this tournament. Let's talk about the goaltending uh, as well. So right off the hop, they have one drafted goaltender in Nicholas uh, Coco, six four, big big kid. Jason, from your perspective, he's going to probably have to if they're going to get into a gold into a medal game. This is a guy who he's going to have to steal a game for them. He's going to have to. Yeah, so um, you know what I do like about him, obviously, is his stature. There's, there's no doubt about that. It's nice to have a big goalie in the net. Um, he can be polarizing, though, guys. There's, there's nights that um, you really appreciate his athleticism and uh, you know the look of him uh, in terms of being able to maybe steal a game. Let's be honest. Like you know, his stats this year are good. He's been relatively solid. Um, you know. I just uh, you you hit it right on this right on the head. So for me, that we're talking, he leans butterfly athletic for me. Definitely butterfly. There are nights, Brad, that he gets wandering around a lot, like outside his posts and outside the blue paint, and that when he gets erratic, like any goalie, um, you know, trouble ensues, right? So uh, when he plays with uh, better crease composure, I know that sounds simple, but under duress and high leverage situations, guys get stressed out and sometimes do more than they need to. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it uh, composed. Yeah, to your point, Jason, I think, you, you know, you look at Emil Vinny, you look at Coco, both dynamic athletically at times, but very inconsistent mentally. And in this tournament, composure is everything. And that's where I find that the, for some, I would say they would think it's the third string, but I wouldn't be shocked if he grabs it. And that's that's Noah Valley. He's, he's played extremely well this year. Um, I watched him last year. I didn't think he was a draft. Uh, he forced my hand to at least rewatch him because that's how consistent he was in Liga so far this season. He's also the only goalie of the three that I, I found has had the rates of consistency you look for heading into the tournament. So it's nothing set in stone. Let's put it that way when it comes to the, the finished goaltending position right now. Yeah. Uh, Emil Vinny is the most talented of the three, but he's also the most sporadic. But he has been good internationally. He's been yeah. better internationally than he has in Mestis. So it should be very interesting to see them. Well, I, I wonder how much is the car- the goaltenders will take the identity of the defense core that's in front of them and just play a, a simple, safe game 
We'll see from that standpoint. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for hour two. We'll talk about the Swedes right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and powered by Hockey Prospect Radio and Outside Edge Hockey Player Development for on and off ice training featuring KPI-based conditioning programs, OutsideEdge.ca. Let's talk about Latvia right off the top. By far, one of the best fan groups for hockey and an international event of all time. They are phenomenal. So I always like when there's a international hockey tournament and Latvia is there because you know they're going to come out in full force and make it fun. So let's talk about this group overall. I mean, right off the top, Locke Mellis, drafted by Boston, and Villamanis, drafted by Florida. Jason, those are the two drafted players. And a tremendous amount of focus is going to be put upon them to produce as much as they possibly can and just try to stay within a one-goal game and see if they can like pull that kind of crazy upset because the Latvians um, have a way of just causing other teams fits. And like, why, why are they even a goal? Why are we even tied going into the third period? Yeah. You know, the Latvians have been fun to watch over the last couple of years, uh, you know, and let's be honest here, they're going to be in a battle, that relegation type battle, right? Like that's, that's kind of their mindset coming in. They got to grab a game, win a game somewhere. And, 
and hope that they don't end up in the uh, the relegation side of the the event. But you know, Vilmanis, I'm anticipating the problem here is that you know, so Vilmanis is playing in Sarnia and Terry Hockey League. He's he literally at every international event I've been at. There's been nights he's taken over some shifts with his skill and his his pace. Like this kid's a good player. He's a crafty player. Um, it's going to be hard though, isn't it, guys? Because when you're only basically a, a two wheel two wheeled vehicle here, and and him and Lock Mellis to carry the mail offensively, they're easier to check. So um, it's going to be it's a, it's going to be a heavy lift. He's going to play. A ton of minutes at even strength. Obviously, he's going to roll over the boards in the first power play of Elmanis side is. So will Lock Mellis. Um, the problem with Lock Mellis coming in is volume for me. So, you know, although he's gone to play college at uh, at UMass, he hasn't had a ton of volume. He leans goal scorer for me more than uh, distributor. Uh, so that might be a good one-two punch that maybe they can create some offense that way between these two guys for Team Latvia. Yeah, Lock, Lock Mellis for me uh, – very Swiss Army knife at times. I think he's going to have to be that. He's going to have to basically do everything. So uh, there's there's that aspect to Lock Millis's game. And Val Minis, for for our listeners, he's going to be more of the the score. He's going to have to really try to to. He's got the shot quality. He's always had that coming from J twenty. Um, so it, it it's it's unfortunate that that they don't have too much to work with. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but there was a 6-5 Latvian out of the queue that's a roughly point per game that has uh, some skill to him. I've watched him recently with uh, my scouting colleague uh, out of the queue, Jerome Berube, um, and he's at this event. So he's going to matter too. I really wish I remember the name, but Latvians have very unique names. I can't even remember North American names, let alone You're Latvian talking about uh, but, uh, Kristen Aronsons. Aronsons. Yeah, he's like 6'4", okay, 6'5", yes, yes. 215. Yeah, he's, a, he's a beast. Yeah, well, there's two of them out of the queue. Right, one of them's right. successful, Eric's, the other's yeah, not the yeah, one. Eric Mateko. But yeah, that's it. That's the one. Pounds. So, yeah, he's a so big that's kid, too. Kid, that, that, kid, that kid has the potential to, to, to be a scorer at this event. I think he's going to have to be if Laffy is going to have some success and upset a team. The one thing you got to give credit to the Laffians, though, is their work rate. They play with pace, they're aggressive, and their fan base gives them energy. Like that fan base is so loud. And it just drowns out everybody else. And you know they've had at least six pops, adult pops <laughs> coming in before they even start. And they get the drums going. And even the coaching staff and the players, I talked to them after the game. They're like, you can't, they cannot underestimate how much their fan base makes a difference in terms of their energy. And they just roll guys over. And they just, the coaching staff just says, don't worry about it. Just play like your hair's on fire every shift. It's the only way we're going to have a chance of winning. And they do it, so which I, I think just brings energy to the group. Because I've talked to opposition teams, and they're like, their fans are crazy. Like, they just, they ground all our friends. Like, we don't even know where our fans are. Because the Laffians are screaming like, like it's a war out there. So great for them. And I think that's going to make a tremendous difference in, in that respect. And I really appreciate and I actually like watching the Latvians play because they, they they don't have all the skill set, but they come to play. Like there's they they're, they're, they play hard, and they so to hard. me that that gives I have a lot of respect for for the Latvians for the, not only their coaching staff and the general managers, but their players as well. Let's talk about Germany. Thoughts on Germany because look, they have a couple drafted players. Obviously, you know Blecker. You know, drafted by Detroit and Julian Lutz and Arizona, they're going to have to carry the mail. So, Jason, thoughts on, you know, some drafted players there? 
Yeah, so Lutz, uh, he's an interesting player for me, to be honest with you guys. Like, he's a big body. He's got uh, better than average skill. Good, Actually, good puck touch. I, I would say that he has good puck touch. Uh, at times, he can push the play or pace off the rush. He's involved. He's involved. But, you know, there have been some nights for me that, you know, I just – I needed more of a complete game out of him. Like, he's kind of teased me at times. Um, but there's no question that there's something there. Uh, time will tell. Germany, absolutely. They've been relying on him the last two cycles at the uh, at the under-18s and, like, at the, on the international stage for the last, actually, three, four years going back to their U-17 program. So he's definitely a guy uh, to keep uh, to keep a close tab on. Um, you know, the the rest of it, uh, who's your other drafted guy? Again? You mentioned him. I forget it off oh, top Kevin of my head. Oh, Kevin Blicker, the kid out of, that was drafted by um, Detroit. Right. So... You know, uh, I just looked up Lutz again. Yeah, he's at 6'2". So um, the Bicker kid, he's another one. Um, not sure what they're going to get out of him, but they're going to be having to hope that he's um, able to produce some offense. I know that uh, I, I've only broke him down twice this year. I just looked up my notes, and he is struggling a little bit to produce offense over there this year in the German League. and um, But – you know, when he gets with his own age group, he's he's productive. He's a he's a productive offensive player. He's got uh, he's got better than average skill, and he can push the pace as well. So, uh, at the U twenty level, he's way over a point a game. But in the top German league, Brad, he's struggling to find a role. There's also that um, the defenseman that's drafted by Buffalo and Norwin no uh, Norwin Pachola plays in the Q as well. So he's with uh, Shakutami. And he's a big-bodied kid at 6'2 and 192 pounds. He's drafted late in the seventh round. Um, he's got 11 points and, you know, 30-odd 30 30 odd games for Shakutami. So, curious to see how much they're going to lean on him in that top pairing as well. Well, one player I look at and I, I'm very interested in watching here is Paul Mayer. He plays in the DEL. Right. He has pro experience. He's 6'2", 6'3". Uh, very composed player. His game reminds me a lot of J.J. Moser's. Uh, the retrieval rates are very impressive. He's he's one of those types of defensemen that when a forecheck's bearing down on him, if they try to cut his options, he'll create new options for himself. He's very multidimensional with how he finds his exits. And that's absolutely what he needs to be able to do with this tournament because he's going to have a whole lot of pucks coming in deep around his net area, and he's going to have to get the puck moving. I think he can be a catalyst for, for some some exit and out stretch playmaking. Uh, not an offensively gifted defenseman, though. He won't be running their quarter, their, their power play or anything. Um, the other player that I think might be a dark horse, dark horse here, a player I know well, Viet Oswald. So he's playing the DL as well. He was dominant in their U20 system. Um, not not uh, good enough for an NHL draft type of thing, but in terms of this type of tournament, game-to-game impact, he could be a standout player. He's big, he's energetic, uh, he actually knows how to play a pro game, he has structure, and there's enough talent there in this type of format to be a difference maker. So him and Lutz, especially Lutz, that Jason mentioned, Lutz is going to be the, the driver here. He's got to do a whole lot. Uh, but Viet Oswald is a dark horse, and then look for, look for the draft-eligible Paul Mayer. He's an interesting prospect. Well, I think the Germans are going to end up having to play a very similar game to the Latvians, tons of energy when they don't have the puck and structured game. They just can't give, and they can't take penalties because one of these, you know, the teams in the, in their pool, Canada, Finland, Sweden, they're just going to tear them apart, right? So I think it really, and you talked about it, Jason, that you want to avoid the relegation. 
So that Latvian German game is going to be massive. Whoever wins that game doesn't have to go to relegation. You know, they'll end up being in like end up being in probably the quarterfinal and then face whoever, you know, which is probably going to be the will be the Americans in in the B when the crossover happens. So I think that's going to be really interesting from that standpoint. I know some people don't like to watch the lesser teams in this tournament, but I do because there's always underlying players that end up coming out and having a good pro career out of that. And some of them end up playing in the NHL and you're always surprised by that um, because they just don't get the attention and all the focus, particularly obviously in Canada, United States is about, you know, the top end drafted players from that standpoint, we should take a quick break. And when we do, we'll come back and we'll talk about more world juniors right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. This is our last segment on our 2023-24. I get my years all messed up. World Junior Championship preview show. Let's start with Norway because Norway's fun because they got some draft eligible players that all the NHL teams are going to be like really closely watching. You know, sometimes people think like the Norways of the world are the throwaway games, and they're not. Those are the games I go to on purpose. When I go to the World Juniors, they'll be me like in a section by myself and I don't care because, and all the other, like some of the other media that show up won't even bother to go to these games. And I'm full in because that's, what's going to make it fun. So Jason, let's talk about, let's focus on the draft eligible players for Norway and right off the hop. Who's the guy that you want to mention? 
Well, I'm going to defer to Brad on on the uh, on the the big rig there, the uh, the big cat, the roughneck there that he likes a lot. But uh, Michael Brantsig Nygaard from Norway is a polar, apparently more polarizing than I first uh, uh, knew until about uh, well ten minutes ago, and maybe uh, maybe a little bit longer. But I'm going to tell you this: like uh, in my viewings of this kid, um, you know, he's playing in the Alspenska. Uh, and Mora, um, he's a right shot, six foot, one ninety four. I like him. Like you know, I think he could be the first Norwegian kid to uh, ever be a first round pick in the NHL. Um, he can bring it with pace. Uh, I think he shoots it well. He's got a good catch and release. He actually shoots the puck in stride. If you see, if you go through some of his historical goal scoring, um, you know he shoots it in stride pretty good. So. Um, I like his commitment def uh, defensively. I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he bails on anything in any three zones. Um, he's responsible. Uh, he's responsible defensively before going on offense. Would I like to see him score more in Alspenskin? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you take a look at his statistics, they're not as good as you'd like them to be. But having said that, he's also he's playing a plus against player. pro men, like in he's a good league. Against pro men, and he's a plus player. So I mean, it's you know, he's he's taking care of a lot there. Um, I don't know. I think he's a two-way forward with uh, better projection on uh, on the offensive side. But you know what? That's what we play the games for. We'll see. Norway, though, they're going to be relying on him a great deal to, to carry some of this load offensively, for sure. Yeah, to, to Jason's point, very gritty player, built for North American ice. I think that's one thing with him is like, you got a Euro. What type of Euro is he? Is he finesse oriented? Is he soft? Uh, the answer to that is absolutely not. Nygaard is built for North American hockey. He's very good along the boards. He's physical. He's going to be good on the forecheck. He's fast. He's mechanically gifted. There's a lot to like with Nygaard. Uh, as Jason alluded to, I, I have some issues with Nygaard relative to some other people in the industry. Uh, but I don't think he's the best eligible uh, Norwegian this this draft. Let's talk about the and, Viking. Uh, yeah, the Let's talk about so Stian Solberg. <laughs> so Stian Solberg is basically Alex Romanov. Of Alex Romanov drank ten Red Bulls in a short period of time. This kid is a is a menace on the ice. He's incredibly difficult to play against. Uh, expect his hit rates to be easily the best amongst any draft any draft eligible defender uh, at this tournament. Um, but he's he's got more than just a gritty, hard nosed shutdown game. This kid can skate. He's starting to really find his offensive touch uh, up in Norway. Uh, actually, he's, some of his best goals he scored this season just occurred the last couple of weeks here, uh, which was nice. We just released our top 32 and had him, and some people were wondering how, why we why we had him uh, because of his lack of production, and then he went off for us there. So it was a, it was a nice touch, but he can do. He can do a lot, and he's going to have to do a lot at this event. Um, but he's not the uh, he's not the only one. There's also a uh, Ludwig um, Lefton who also plays up in the Norwegian league. I think he's a dark horse. I have him as a C-rated prospect right now. Uh, he's poised. He's calculated. He plays a 200-foot game. He's also not small. He skates relatively well, not as good as Stian Solberg or, or Branson Nygaard, but well enough, I think, to hold here. Uh, and there's poise, and, and there's some there's something there at the line. He's not just uh, – we, we talked about Paul Mayer. He's much more of a stationary, vanilla shooter. This kid isn't. This kid uses off looks. He uses lateral cutbacks, sidesteps. He uses exaggerated postural fakes. He brings in different uh, a different element to him offensively, and uh, he's going to need to. They, they're going to need to draw something from the back end. You look at Niels Backy Olsen. He's not a draft, but he's a, a solid pro who's done very well internationally for Norway over the years. He's here. He's going to matter. Uh, you look at Peter Vesterheim, who's a player I talked about with Jason last season uh, uh, on the show. 
Um, yeah, I thought he was a seventh round pick for myself last year. I, I, you know, I still think he could be that this season. His name is Yol Kivarantes. He's, he's that wonderful depth, uh, uh, forward who can chip in, but is also exceptional defensively plays with structure. He's going to really matter here. He's had a good year on El Svenskin. So the Norwegians for all intents and purposes, they are, as Shane said, there, this is not a Latvia situation where you're looking at relegation. I think this is a team that legitimately, uh, can, can upset another team, like a bigger team. This, this is a dark horse year for Norway. This is the best Norwegian class ever. So I hope everybody gets an opportunity to check them out. It's, it's awesome seeing smaller nations develop. We just talked about it with Slovakia, how Slovakia has risen over the last couple of years here. Well, Norway, this is Norway's coming out party. I'm curious to see because obviously Norway's got to play the next team we're going to talk about in Switzerland. They beat Switzerland. Switzerland goes to the relegation because I think that's it's too tough. When you have Czechia, Slovakia, the States, could they upset? Well, they're not going to upset the Americans, but could they upset one of the other two? Maybe, right? They got to have great goaltending. Well, we'll see, but I think it's just it's fun to watch these developing nations get better and better every year. Jason, let's talk about Switzerland. They have one drafted player in the entire group. And in the past, they've actually come out and performed really well. I'm just I'm I'm curious about this Swiss group and what they're going to be able to bring to the table. And can they like just keep their head above water long enough to not get caved in? Yeah, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Uh, I do respect the Swiss team, though. Like, yeah, they, they work uh, hard. They, they work. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating to watch like them play. And, and we're talking about the Norwegians now, which puts more pressure on the Swiss, doesn't it? If uh, yeah. if, if Norway is going to, you know, like like Brad says, the rice and their best team that they ever had. They're thin, though, guys. Uh, you know, the, they're the, small. Yeah, the Dionisio kid, uh, the Anaheim draft. Um, you know, he was a, a late pick by by Anaheim. Um, you know, he's 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 a veteran for this group. He's actually a veteran on 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 you know the Swiss international stage. The the thing that hurts them is that, uh, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but not having somebody like Lee and Bichelle on their roster is a huge. Uh, you know, obviously it's a it's a problem for them. So. I don't know. I don't know where their offense is going to come from. That's that's my problem with this group here. Uh, you know, Dionisio, he plays more like a two-way game. Um, he's not afraid to throw the weight around. None of the Swiss, believe it or not, even some of the smaller guys, the water bugs, they, they get involved. They get, you know, they don't have a, an issue that way. I was looking through my notes, and they do have a, a the Nick Neely kid. He's got some stature to him. He's like a six-foot-three, I don't know, 205-pound defender who – you know he's not he's not going to bring any offense, but he might be a shutdown guy on the back end, and uh, you know complement you know somebody like like a Dionisio who might have to carry a little bit more of the offensive mail on the back end. So, um, not sure uh, about the entirety of the group. Uh, the goaltending is obviously going to be under stress. Um, you know, uh, I believe that Krista Ball, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to double check here, but isn't it Krista Ball? Yeah, yeah, isn't it his son playing this year for yeah. the Swiss? Yeah, Ewan or whatever his name? Yeah, yeah. Ewan. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, and he, he's been playing in the uh uh Western Hockey League, right? For Regina. So uh that's gonna be a heavy lift for him. We'll we'll see how it all comes together. But uh the Swiss are in tough guys. I the way especially the way Brad is flying the Norwegian flag, I'm I'm worried about Team Swiss. Uh, they might be looking at relegation the way that this is going. 
Right, and that's going to be really interesting from that standpoint of now the Swiss always come to work hard, you know, and they always kind of find a way. You're you're watching the game, and then they're playing a top team, and it's the middle of the second period, and they're only down by a goal. And you're kind of like, okay, when is the floodgate going to open here? And they tend to do that. It'll get into the early third. And you're like, when's the floodgate going to open? And eventually it generally does, but they tend to like put the scare of like, like any form of deity against the opposition team because they work hard and they're structured and, you know, they play well as a unit. So I give them like the Latvians in that respect. I give them, I have to respect the Swiss. They just, I'm waiting for, they just, they get good players, but they're so sporadic. They haven't quite hit it out of the park yet. So, well, I hope everyone enjoyed the world junior championships so far. Enjoy the semifinals and the medal games. I know that Norway, Germany, Slovakia, Latvia, Switzerland, I think all competed hard, have continued to improve their development in their countries. Their players are getting better. You know, particularly a lot of kudos to Slovakia in that respect. And next week, we will have a full-blown World Junior Championship review. We'll go over it from start to finish and talk about all the prospects that are draft eligible and drafted and the state of the world junior championships. And next year I'll be in Ottawa and the year after that in Minneapolis. So stay tuned for next week. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.
Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now speaking with Pat Malloy in our player development segment. Pat, thanks for coming on the show. We always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, this topic this week is shooting skills for the pro game. So um, in prior conversations this week, I didn't ask you anything about that because I wanted to be surprised about the different terms that you use and the little nuggets that we can get from that. So I didn't want to like, you know, ruin it for myself while we can, you know, (laughs) while we're talking live. So uh, give our listeners a, a breakdown of, you know, what you mean by shooting skills for the pro game. Yeah, I mean, often when you see a prospect, a drafted player, um, you know, an accomplished junior player, they've, they've got skills and habits that allow them to succeed at the level that they're at. And so, you know, when someone like me gets my hands on them and, and of course, you know, they all want to sign an entry level deal and they all want to take a step to the next level. A lot of things that they've done that allowed them to succeed through minor hockey or through, you know, the Ontario Hockey League or the Q or the dub or or at the NCAA level, it, it certainly is something that may not translate to the level that, that will allow them to have success. So things that we'll look for um, and things that all start to break down. So I'll introduce them to something called neutral forward shooting. So shooting without the benefit of a big windup or backswing um, at the National Hockey League level, you don't have that kind of time. And so, you know, hand placement and, and power generation and some different things that come from neutral forward shooting, meaning from sort of, if you, you thought the midline of your body to the side was neutral shooting from there forward without the tell um, or the extra time taken in movement of a backswing um, deception and release is certainly something with young players that, that you'll see is, you know, they'll, they'll try to create a hard shot. Everybody wants to have a hard shot and they want power, power, power. Well, I think when we put all the numbers in a blender, we realize that goaltenders at the National Hockey League level have an advantage if they can see a puck and they can tab your release. And so deception in your release, changing angle, doing things that created small micro movements in a goaltender that create advantage for the shooter. And then, you know, we dig into things like, are you able to shoot from both legs or are you someone that's only comfortable shooting and generating any kind of velocity on it from one particular sort of release? Um, Can you shoot off the catch, you know, different things that, you know, are you able to catch a puck into loaded posture and generate a shot from it? And so those are the sorts of things that, that I would look at, you know, break down their gameplay and introduce from a training concept to, to take them to the next level with their execution. Uh, can you discuss the significance of being able to shoot behind screens and be able to drag laterally through the screen so you can shoot on other on either side? Yeah. I, I mean, again, you know, you're taking a young player, oftentimes, you know, a prospects in their draft year or has just been drafted and, and trying to make the jump, you know, a lot of times for a kid that's drafted, you know, they'll get an eye opener when they head to their first development camp or their first opportunity to play against men, if you will. And so the ability that, you know, to understand that I'm not going to get the clean looks that I might be used to, you know, when I'm a more accomplished player playing against younger players in junior or less accomplished players in junior. So the ability to shoot through and around is certainly something that's not comfortable, but it needs to be the new comfort level for players hoping to produce at a higher level. 
Um, and so that's a really significant thing that we'll introduce is that, you know, to be able to shoot through and around with placement and, and some sort of zip on it is certainly a skill that, again, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But unfortunately, if, if you don't have those abilities in the bag, it's very, very difficult to, to generate offense in the National Hockey League. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. We're powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy in our player development segment. Uh, the topic this week is shooting skills for the pro game. Uh, Pat, talk about um, shooting when you're in, like, in traffic and there's bodies on you and, you know, trying to explain the value of that and why you're going to need that at the pro game. You talked about, you know, the, you know, getting different looks, but you know, in the NHL, there's going to be bodies on you that are not going to be that weren't there in junior that you're going to have to figure out a way to get that shot away effectively. Yeah. And that really, you know, that goes hand in hand with the concept of neutral forward shooting and deception and release you know, obviously in the best league in the world, time is, is certainly a luxury you don't have. And so being able to generate with lack of time, with lack of opportunity to prepare uh, and still have some level of accomplishment is always the task that, that we try to tackle. And so neutral forward, meaning I can still create accuracy and I can still generate some, some pop to my shot without having to take the time to load up, load up, load up. Because often what we'll find, especially where those shots are valuable, is, is the idea that quickness of release and having goaltenders have to make micro adjustments is going to serve us better than just raw power. And so, you know, the idea of, of having a puck that is, is a quick to release and it gets to the spot we're trying to get it to versus having it be super hard to get there is going to pay us off specifically when we talk about inside dots and inside the inner house portion of, of the slot, when it comes to being able to generate, you know, shots that stick, if that makes sense. So Pat, it's it one of those situations where even when you see a, a shooter, such as a Arthur Kaliev, somebody who's just mm-hmm. capable of overpowering uh, a net minder or somebody's in the NHL, obviously a great example, this would be Alexander Ovechkin. Um, do you look at them stylistically and you say, okay, I appreciate the fact you can overpower a netminder, but let's, let's fine-tune some technical aspects so that, as you just said, you can incorporate the very small movements within a goalie's game, or what, what we call micro-adjustments, so that you can just beat them with less power and, and more finesse. Yeah, I mean, having that power, it's kind of, you know, I'll liken it to, say, you know, a home run hitter. You know they've got power to be able to, to, to you know, bomb a, a ball but can you put one in play? And so it's the same sort of concept. We know we have the power on things like set power play units where, you know, I'm here and I know that the, the, the one timer and, and giving it the heater is what I'm after, but, you know, having them understand that micro movements and goaltenders creates advantage drives up things like shooting percentage for players, because, you know, it takes goaltenders away from what makes them succeed and having them understand the power of quickness, prior to preparation in a goaltender and the power that it can have in, in adding uh, additional, you know, effectiveness with their shot. It was something that I worked quite a lot with Claude Giroux on where we see Claude winding up those big one timers and doing some of those sorts of things, you know, heading back to sort of that 2017 season where he was, he was sort of coming back and we were looking for new pathways. And one of the things that with, with Claude is he's, he's got a, a deadly accurate shot, but one of the things that he was trying to do quite a bit was, load up a puck and and really try to power shoot it. 
And what we started to recognize when we broke down his game was look where your shots are being generated from. And while we're, you know, we're, we're creating a lot of power on some of them, there wasn't a lot of uh, movement in goaltenders. There wasn't a lot of deception in the release. And so we worked a lot on things like angle change, shooting pucks from his feet, shooting pucks from different legs. And, you know, luckily in that particular season, it, it was a career year for him in terms of, of, of creating goals. And it was just something small. I mean, you know, great hands, obviously, you know, a star player at the time. And, and it's a small thing often that you'll see in players where they, they maybe haven't thought of it that way. You know, growing up, it's all about shooting hard. It's all about, you know, for a lot of coaches, it's pucks on net. And when you start to really look at it from the, the perspective of let's take a quality perspective instead of a quantity perspective um, to breaking it down, you'd start to see that, hey, all right, if I get a goalie mid shuffle or if I get a goalie to make a micro shuffle in order to square up, that means there's movement that they hadn't planned for and they're trained not to do. And if I can create that movement with my movement, you know, it creates advantage for me as a shooter. You know, that Pat, that's fascinating because, you know, it's about, it, it's that game of cat and mouse with the goalie. And of course the defenseman and the other players are in the middle, but it's about, you know, recognizing tendencies and, you know, and breaking sometimes uh, at the end of the day of dogma, right. Of, Oh, this yep. is the way it's always been done, but you know, so this is the way it's always going to be done. Um, and, it's, and that's where the goaltenders, I think, have had the advantage and the shooters have to come back and push it back the other way. But we're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio, but we're going to be back with Pat right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. 
Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, leagues worldwide. Now we're going to be speaking with Pat Malloy about player development on our ongoing series. Uh, the topic as we continue on this week is speed differential, efficiency, and evasiveness. Pat, thanks for coming on the show again. We really appreciate it. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, get into a little bit about those topics and start with speed differential and um, give our listeners some background on what that means. Then how does uh, someone in player development uh, recognize that in a player and then build that up to be at a level that would be um, NHL caliber? Yeah, I mean, these three topics, everything's sort of week over week. Every time we're together, we kind of um, everything melds together. But from, a, you know, an efficiency, speed differential and an evasiveness standpoint, you know, I'll start with the efficiency concept in that we spoke, you know, previously on the concepts of power acquisition, turning power into speed and creating quickness in our movement. And, and really the efficiency component, you know, is, is all about that postural power acquisition. So being in posture that allows us to uh, access muscle fibers that move our mass, you know, without getting too crazy into the science, that's really what we're looking for. And then as it relates to speed differential, you know, ultimately the goal that we'd like to, to have is to A, have a high stride turnover rate. So we want to make sure that we can, really access all the power, create the speed and have the process wrapped up via quickness to create as much stride turnover in a set space as we can. Um, and from a speed differential standpoint, a lot of that, you know, really boils down to understanding how to use our speed. So we want to have a high top end, no question. Everyone would love to have a real high top end. Um, and we talked a bit about acceleration well, the key here with this is making sure that we recognize that we can, we know what it feels like and we drill and rep to the understanding of this is what it feels like when I'm redlining, when I'm, you know, I've got the, the pedal push to the floor, but then from a speed differential standpoint, I don't want to be redlined all over the ice. I want to make sure there's some in reserve and that I have acceleration to create different openings and spaces, um, you know, that my mind sees or my eyes see and my hockey sense evaluates to to be able to get to the spots and create that pocket of time. So from a drilling perspective, it's making sure we try to develop a good high end speed, but then understanding that we don't want to just live there, that the way that we apply that speed at various portions of the ice is going to be hugely important for us in that range. When you're talking about um, applying north-south speed differential and how, how fast they can apply their top speed and for how long do you put it uh do you put them through a simulations where they're already deconditioned so they almost have to fight through their own mechanics and then and then try to make sure that they're more comfortable in that surrounding so that they can uh, reapply the mechanics when they're at that that red line state as you suggest 
hundred percent. I, I mean, everything that we'll try to do, we'll, we'll put them in scenarios they'll find themselves in. You know, I've always been a believer that, that skating the game is hugely important. And that, that really comes back to the idea of speed differential. So I think we've all seen players that are, you know, they're, they're Corvettes. They can, they're like NASCAR. They can race around and they're, they're a hundred miles an hour with their hair on fire all the time, but there's really no application to how it's used and they accomplish very little tax the energy system. Don't get much done, um, but boy, they look great zipping around the ice and accomplishing very little. So it's, it's really the understanding that, you know, if we know what top speed feels like understanding that if I'm going to beat someone in a scenario where I've got to get past them, but I'm already redlining uh, and there's just nothing else. I'm going to go to default skills and, and likely make a poorer percentage play than I would had I given myself the opportunity to have another burst, to have another um, element to my mobility and to my acceleration. Uh, and, and those things are key in terms of skating the game is, is one of the things, especially once you've got you know, access to a player, for instance, within an organization, and you can create that plan, um, how they apply and skate the game really becomes something that, you know, you, you start to augment the technical skills and, and the, the things that we do off the ice athletically with them to make them better skaters. Um, those things become, you know, very, very important to, to augment all of those other areas. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy, player development coach, about our topic this week in speed differential, efficiency, and evasiveness. Pat, do you use video um, as examples of players that race around the ice like a Corvette. I always think back to Rico Fado um, from that standpoint of that type of skater and then use video examples of players that know how to use their speed effectively within a game. And I always think back as obviously uh, in football, we used to have wide receivers that could just run like just like sprint like cheetahs, but really couldn't understand when they had to stop and slow down and slide into zones. And um, I find that very similar application into, into hockey as well of not understanding what's going on around you. Um, How critical are the video component in your coaching sessions so that they have an image in their mind of what they need to do? You know, Today's athletes, a lot of them are visual learners. Um, I like to use example, comparable players. I like them to see themselves. I'll do a lot with split screens where they can see themselves versus a comparable. Um, And and sort of wrapping into our last topic of evasiveness, how you harness and control and apply your, your basis skating in a game and your speed use in a game really is one of the most, you know, effective ways to evade confrontation or people trying to close time and space on you. And so that's where I'll draw their attention is, is not, you know, because I said, so here, here's the, you know, the game-based evidence of the things you're doing. You know, I don't know how many times, especially when you get a young player and they're graduating to pro. And the idea is, is that they're over skating things a lot of the time, trying to show that I can keep pace of play at this level. Um, and sometimes it's less is more. And, and it's a, it's also a reverse mindset. Sometimes you've got players that are never going to be super high end top out full speed type players, but they can be very, very effective understanding that being fast at the right time is, 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 is more important than being overall fast. 
And so I, I think the game shows us that, that we see several players that are quite accomplished in the National Hockey League that, that don't skate like Connor McDavid. And that's okay. That's his physical makeup, his talent level. And, and you know, there's a lot of things that go into the way he moves. Um, there's other players that are very effective players that are high earning players that are, that are high value players in terms of their club. And their understanding is, is that I have to, to, to work a little bit differently within the confines of my athletic ability, my strength level, my talent level, uh, my processing of the game. And so, you know, I'll use it on both sides. Um, we can improve every skater to a degree, but there's no such thing as one perfect style of skating. There's, there's the science that backs optimal movement, but everybody's physical makeup is a little bit different than another. So for, for me to try to cookie cutter and say, I'm going to make you Nathan McKinnon, or I'm going to make you Connor McDavid, that's, that's not a, a fair measuring stick to put someone up against. Um, it's, it's making sure you fully understand each athlete, each player, and, and all of the things that go into making them what they are, showing them comparable, showing them you know, the things that they habitually do that work, and then things that would translate a little bit better to, to success at the pro level. Yeah. And those are all, and those are interesting factors. And you look, I look at a guy like Mark Stone as, you know, a skater who is obviously not the, not the most, you know, speed burner, but he's a really highly effective skater and knows when he has to be, you know, pump, pump that up uh, in any game situation. So I, you know, I think his understanding of how he, what he needs to do when he is skating makes him an effective skater, but when you looked at him in the draft year, that's the reason why he dropped down to the fifth round and, you know, the senators got this superstar at that level. So I always find those comparables um, really fascinating, but Pat, thank you very much for coming on our show. Once again, giving us some really fantastic insight uh, on the topic this week. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Sounds great guys. Everyone stay safe and healthy and we'll talk soon. That's Pat Malloy player development coach. Both Brad and I are going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. 
Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back in Powered by Power Player, the hockey player development software at thepowerplayer.com. We're now in our regular segment, It's All Mental, with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Hey, love being here. Well, we're continuing our segment as we go through your book, Hockey Grit, Grind, and Mind. We are still in Chapter 3, Perception, and we wanted to tap into the topic of breaking free of self-destructive thought patterns. And I find this a fascinating subject because, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear where, you know, where the your mind goes, your body follows. And whatever your mind does is going to be the indicator of a large part of, if not everything, of your success in, not as a hockey player, just in life in general, you know? So when you're sitting on the couch, do you want to eat the bag of Doritos? Should you eat the bag of Doritos? You know, that's just one aspect of that. Speak, speak to us about that, those topics of, and that topic and these conversations you have with particularly young players about, you know, setting your thought processes and your patterns so that when tough times come or you're just like having a night off that, you know, you stay on task, not that like you want to be, you know, just rigid in your life and you should have fun, but, you know, recognizing that you can't, you know, those destructive thoughts can really start to unravel what successes you've had. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, and I think all humans deal with it, right? So if you, if you're doing this, then it just means that you're alive and you're a human being. And that is, we, ha- we have a tendency to get caught up in negative self-talk, right? Sort of beating ourselves up, uh, paying attention to every dumb thing that we did, um, giving ourselves crap. Um, you know, if, when we're playing hockey, if we didn't make the perfect play, then as we're skating to the bench, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, you dope, you idiot. What, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? You know, and I think what's so funny about it is that, you know, if you had a line mate, say you were coming up the ice, you know, you had a two on one, one guy goes off sides, you know, made you, maybe it's you go off sides. And as you're going to the bench, you're beating yourself up. Um, can you imagine if, if your line mate looked at you and said the things you're saying to yourself, you know, say, what's wrong with you, idiot, you stupid boof, right? What's going on? But, but that would never happen. But yet we do it to ourselves all the time, right? So it's that negative self-talk that sort of sets a tone. And let's face it, we're not our best when we're, we're, you know, getting all this, this negative feedback. We're not our best when we're being beat up and, and put down, but that's what we do to ourselves. So I think, the first thing I want to recognize is that when we get caught up in these these types of ways of thinking is that, A, it's it's really bad for our performance, right? The thing that we need the most is, is what we're hurting the most, and that's our ability to perform. But number two is that other people wouldn't do that to us. So why are we doing it to ourselves? 
And, and one of the things that I do is I teach a thing called being your best coach. And, and we've messed, met, mentioned this before in previous uh, 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 segments, but it's the idea that you've got to be able to step outside of yourself and, and talk to yourself like you would a teammate, right? In that situation, you need to talk to yourself like you would talk to a teammate that made that same boneheaded play. Um, and that's what I'm talking about by being your best coach. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but once people start to sort of get their mind around that, and as they're skating to the bench, they're thinking, man, you're better than that. Come on, don't, don't worry about it. Shake it off. You know, let's get back out there. Um, that's being your best coach. Um, so that, that's one of the first things I want these young guys to learn. Kevin, it's a really interesting topic because I, I really find that it uh, helps promote a lack of confidence if you're if you're too self-critical and confidence is everything to developing prospects uh look no further somebody like Niels Lundqvist who's one of the blue chip prospects in hockey right now had a bad plus one season and the reason he said it was bad is because he lost his confidence and it was because he was too self-critical so one thing I want to mm-hmm. ask you about with uh with players who are too self-critical is what techniques and strategies are there to be able to compensate through just visual strategies specifically because I find that that's the most reflective of of hockey in general yeah, and I think it's sort of first thing is goes back to stop beating yourself up. Nobody would do that to you, so stop doing it to yourself. That's the first thing. It's it's also important to recognize what you just said. The more I do this, the more I'm just wearing down my confidence. I I call it's it's like having an axe to a giant tree. I can keep whacking at it and whacking at it and whacking at it. And the first few times, you know, it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. But if I keep whacking at it, eventually I'm going to knock that tree down, and that's what happens to us if we don't get a handle on these, these comments, these, these chops, right. Then we're, we're only hurting ourselves. And I think another thing that's important to understand is, is that you're, you're going to move in the direction of your thoughts. Uh, just like what Shane said a minute ago, if you're, if you're sitting on the couch and all of a sudden this idea of Doritos pops in your head, right. What's, what's going to happen almost automatically at some point. And that is, you're going to get up, you're going to go in the kitchen, you're going to find that bag of Doritos and you're going to start eating them. And then all of a sudden your brain wakes up and says, what are you doing? Right. You're going to eat here dinner in a minute, or, you know, the wife's going to give you read you the riot act or your kid comes in and say, Hey dad, those are mine. Right. But, we move in the direction of our thinking. So that's super important for any player to recognize is that if I'm carrying bad thoughts, if I'm picturing worst case scenarios, I am more likely to move in that direction and to actually, you know, do those things. than if I can't figure out a way to sort of put a movie on and that movie is, is me being my best. That movie is, is, is me executing at a high level. It's playing with speed and intensity and playing with confidence, right? And so this is a, is a whole idea of visualization and this is something that we'll get into for sure. But at the end of the day, sometimes you, if, if you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling like the right player that you need to be, sometimes you need to sort of step into a role. You need to step into an as if sort of superhero version of yourself and the, the body follows the mind, right? So if I can control the mind, then maybe that body will follow at least long enough for me to get my, my head out of my butt and, and start playing hockey like I know how to. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. Brought to you by PowerPlayer, the hockey player development software at ThePowerPlayer.com. We're chatting with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach, uh, breaking down his book, Hockey, Grit, Grind, and Mind, talking about chapter three, perception, breaking free of self-destructive thought patterns. 
you know, Kevin, just quickly have a couple of minutes left. You know, I, I think what also Brad was alluding to is um, using visual aids for the player to help them in terms of say video of their game when they're successful. And so that it starts to trigger those positive thoughts. Hey, remember you're an excellent, you're, you're a really good player. You're an excellent player. Look at all the things that you do. Well, remember that, you know, this is what you can do. This is what you're capable right. of, of, and just sort of like sort of an ability to reset yourself. Yeah. Well, we're playing those movies in our head all the time and you're exactly right. If I get some really good video coaching and they, they, they show me things I can improve on. Certainly that's, that's really the big point of it. It's not just to show all your highlights, but you know, you got to look at your highlights. You got to recognize when you did things right, when you did the right thing. And, and a lot of times what will happen is that, that, that movie that we're having a tendency to play, which is more negative and more focused on the, on the mistakes, all of a sudden we're, we sort of step back and with that awareness, right? Awareness that you're doing it, you can start to say, you know what? I, I am a pretty good player and I'm a heck of a lot better than I was last year. And I'm getting better every single time I hit the ice. So yeah, let, let, give myself a break. Right. And again, I think when you, when you allow that, that coach version of yourself to step up and say, Hey, give yourself a break. Um, a lot of times kids can do that, but the problem is many times they think they are their performance. So if they have a bad performance, then they're a lousy person, right? Lousy player, lousy person. And, and we know that's just not true. Yeah, I know. And that's, I, I find it really fascinating because you're having to, you know, work with younger players all the way up to, you know, professional age adults. And, you know, in many cases, we just, we keep repeating our patterns. Like we do really well and you sort of fall into a trap and you got to dig yourself out of that trap again. And then, you know, you, you're doing really well and you sort of fall into that. And there's just, uh, I find that whole, you know, psychological brain chemistry fascinating and how that impacts performance. And which is why I thought the book was so um, illuminating on, on many of those factors as well, but we're going to take a quick break on hockey prospect radio. We'll continue with Dr. Kevin Willis on it's all mental right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. 
Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by PowerPlayer, hockey player development software at thepowerplayer.com. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach, discussing his book, Hockey Grit, Grind and Mind. We are now on to chapter four, and the title of that is Purpose. Uh, the sub a topic we want to speak about is self-image. And, you know, it's funny because both uh, Kevin, both Brad and I were talking about, uh, you know, the detriment to, of social media in today's world, particularly when it comes to prospects and about the, the vast amount of information that's poured upon these players, um, especially in the last five years and the access to information about you as an individual and how that can particularly impact your personal self image. And because you're, you know, a young person, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, up until 20, you know, you know your brain hasn't finished developing yet. You know, you're not quite, you know, uh, an adult in, in many cases. So handling those type, uh, that type of, you know, reactions from other people that you don't know. Um, talk about the conversations you have with your clients in terms of, self-image, um, especially when it comes around with social media, because many of the young kids now, their self-image is based on what happens in their social media feeds. Yeah, and it's so tough. And, you know, it, it, it seems like a, a perfect storm of, of, of bad connections. And that is that young people, and I say young people, I, I'm talking kids, you know, all the way up to 21, 22, 23, because that's, that's as the brain is maturing, right? But so imagine you're in that 13, 14, 15 age, you're, you're starting to go through the puberty and all that kind of stuff. Here, here, here's your brain at a point where your, your, your limbic system, the more emotional side of your brain is developing really pretty fast, right? But the, the, the frontal part, that frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex, the, the thinking, the reasoning part of your brain is, is just sort of chugging along. It's coming on slow, but man, it is not anywhere caught up to the emotional side of the brain. So here we've got a situation that I'm pretty much emotional, right? And I'm reading all these comments and I can read a good one and a good one and a good one. And all of a sudden there's a bad one and all the good ones are gone, right? I don't even, I don't even remember reading them. It's all bad. It's all bad. Um, and I don't have that, that maturity in my brain to be able to say, but that's, come on, that's one out of 10, you know, relax. Um, it's, it's not there that, that level of reasoning and maturity is not there and put that, you know, in context with sort of the way the brain develops in general. And that is that when you're young, um, being part of a, of a group of a community being accepted is life or death 
It really is. I mean, you know, you look at evolution coming all the way up as, you know, cavemen, if you got ousted from the tribe, you would die, right? So it's, it's, it is part of our evolutionary process to, to need to be connected to community, to need to be in the good graces of the people around us, right? And again, it's not until that, that more mature parts of our brain begin to develop that allow us to sort of understand that balance that needs to be. And, and these young people, they don't have it. And then, you know, I'll touch on the idea of what these comments do. You know, these comments, they come in, they come in, they come in, and they're like little hits of dopamine, right? Oh, that made me feel good. Ooh, that made me feel good. Ooh, that made me feel good. And all of a sudden, bam, you know, you get punched in the face with a, a negative comment and you're just not mature enough to process that. And I don't say mature enough in a, in a derogatory way. I'm literally talking about the makeup of the brain of young people. Kevin, is the first step to, to maturation the ability of a young teen to basically say, hang on, okay, this is a negative comment, but this person doesn't actually know who I am. And in order to say, I know who I am, you have to have some sort of idea. Again, it goes back to, it's always interconnected. It goes back to self-awareness. It goes back to having some sort of frame of reference as to how you identify yourself. So my point is, the, the maturation process really starts with self-identification and then allows you to basically separate yourself from that immediate validation from when you get a good tweet or a good like or a good somebody says something positive to you online uh, versus when somebody says something negative. Is, is it really that maturation process of saying, this is how I identify, this person doesn't know me, therefore I don't need to follow what this person's saying and I'm not going to integrate it emotionally and it won't be as negative. Yeah, well, because that emotional part of our brain is so fast, I mean, like super fast, then it, it grabs onto it and you begin to feel something before your your rational parts of your brain has a chance to say, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down, right? Let's think about what we're doing here. That's that's the first thing. But number two is that the the strength, the maturity, the the ability of that reasoning part of your brain to over, you know, to counteract those feelings is minimized because it's just not grown up yet. It's not all the way, you know, dialed in. Um, so I think, I think it's really as coaches and everybody, we, we need to sort of help them um, learn how to think rationally and learn how to, to recognize the impact of these comments, right? Now, as far as the awareness side of it, again, I think if, you know, as kids learn that you are not your performance, you are not the comments that people are making about you, you're you, right? And you're allowed to, if you can you know, just stop for a second and sort of step outside of yourself and look at it from the outside in, then my guess is you would be a better coach to yourself in those situations than if you are trapped inside of your body experiencing it. Uh, so I, I know that's it's, it's sort of con confusing um, way of looking at it, but as soon as I can, I want kids to recognize that it's okay to screw up. You, you are not your mistakes, right? As a matter of fact, if you don't screw up, then you're not learning. Um, it's okay to, to get negative comments because those are opportunities to learn, right? Um, these, are, these things are okay. They hurt, but they're, they're okay. And then as they get older and older and older and they start to filter that stuff, for one, they don't remember that they used to feel that way because, you know, the way we mature. But number two is, um, I think as coaches, as, as mentors, you know, we need to help them through those really hard times. And, and it is, it's hard. I, you know, I didn't grow up with all that social media, but I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine Going, growing up in, in today's world with the video and the social media and all that kind of stuff, man, I just don't think I would have made it. Having a couple of minutes left in the show, uh, would you ever 
I just recommend, um, you know, with younger players making their life a little bit smaller and like blocking out those noises and maybe not only having one social media feed. It was just a, a comment that, you know, Connor McDavid had recommended to the players on the world junior team, you know, a couple of years ago. And I thought it just, it made sense. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because you talk about somebody, you know, Ooh, so-and-so said something really nasty about me and I'm so mad. I'm so upset. I'm just going to kill him and all that kind of stuff. Well, what if you didn't know they said that about you? What if you had no idea in the world they said that about you? Right. Well, would you be upset? No, I wouldn't be upset because I didn't know. Right. So it's not what they said that made you mad. It's how you responded to what they said that made you mad. So there's two things. One is learn how to process those emotions and those, you know, reasoning of, of the idea that somebody said something and I'm now trying to justify it or at least, you know, talk myself off the ledge. That's one way. Or number two is just like you said, don't pay attention to it. You know, sometimes things get better by by pruning away some of the things that make it worse. And it's hard. It's hard when everybody else is doing it and doing all these channels and all that kind of stuff. But maybe, maybe if we can get them to, like you said, one channel, grab a channel, if it's Instagram, if it's Facebook, if it's TikTok, whatever it is, right? I I don't know where these kids are anymore, but grab one channel. And if you're okay in there, practice these, these, the reasoning skills that we're trying to teach you. Um, but then you sort of, you know, tame all these other channels. You, you don't need to know about everything. I know a lot of pros, they just don't read all the, the press. They just don't. It, it serves no purpose in their world. They're focused on being the best they can be and press and, and, and outsiders, they need to justify their existence. A lot of times they stir up, you know, a lot of controversy and a lot of negativeness and, and, and because that gets all the press. And so as a player, uh, you're you're just better served to you know limit that as much as you can. Well, understood, and it's a conversation I had with pros and juniors, and you know, and teams in terms of what their policies are, and they try to have a balance from that respect. And it, it's a it's a huge challenge for the next generation. And I'm I'm super happy that I didn't have to grow up with it. As much as I love the information age, I I don't know how well I would have handled that situation as well, but. Once again, uh, Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks, boys. Had fun. That's Dr. Kevin Willis. I want to thank our guests this week, as well as Pat Malloy, our player development coach, uh, Dr. Kevin Willis. Uh, For Brad Allen, I'm Shane Malloy. It's been another edition of Hockey Prospect Radio, and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com.
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.